the seventh ranked USC Trojans come to Salt Lake City this weekend. But where does this USC team do really well? What do they not do so well? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On News your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions may apply. My name is JT Wisterstill, host of Locked On News and former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Appreciate all you guys for supporting our show and subscribing as well as we're on the road to 500 before the USC game this Saturday. On today's show, we're going to be talking about these Trojans, what they do well, what they don't do so well. And in order to do that, I want to bring on resident Pac-12 expert Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer, appreciate you hopping on with us. And this is a USC team that, look, we knew the offense was was going to be really good, but I still think people are, I think this is a team a lot of people, they weren't sure what to make of this year. Some people were like, yeah, they will be a top 10 team at some point in the year. Others were like, I don't think they're good enough to do that yet. And they've proven very capable of being a top 10 team. They've avoided the upsets so far that a lot of people thought they would fall too early in the year and just starting on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, that's what you bring Lincoln Riley in for, right? That he has done a phenomenal job. We know what Caleb Williams can do, Jordan Addison, but how about the rushing attack with Travis Dye? They have been running the ball extremely effectively as of late, and this is an offense that can put up points against anyone in the country. Yeah, and, and as an Oregon fan, I'm not surprised to see Travis Dye having success running the football in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. because – during his four-year stint with the Ducks, that's all he did was have success. He had a great yards per carry. He can be involved in the passing game. He's a very capable receiving back. That's probably the only way he potentially makes it to the NFL. I don't know if he's big enough to do that, but here in the now and in the present, he is a really good running back, and Lincoln Riley's using him very well in this offense, and the, the balance that you see, I think, is maybe a little more than people expected coming into the year, but that's because you have Caleb Williams and you have Jordan Addison and you have Mario Williams and you have Brendan Rice and you know all those weapons with a future first round NFL quarterback is going to lead people to think well you know they're going to throw the football they're going to sling it around a lot but when you go to those Lincoln Riley Oklahoma offenses they were never an air raid right they threw the ball a lot they throw the ball maybe a little more than they run it I haven't looked at their actual play dispersion this year but Lincoln Riley has always wanted to have the running game as a component of his offense because it keeps defenses so honest. And I, I think this matchup for for Utah is a challenging one because it, it, it has been for everyone. But if there is a team that can slow down the USC offense, so to speak, I think it's Utah, who I, I think is probably still the best all-around defense in the Pac-12. I know they just struggled on the road against UCLA, but now they're coming back at home. And defenses are aided more by a home field advantage than, than than offenses are, I think. And you still have Clark Phillips back there. You still have Diabate in the middle of the defense. It's going to be a really fun chess match to see where Jordan Addison goes and where Clark Phillips goes. Because sign me up for 60 minutes. Well, I guess you know USC only is, is only out there for half the time. So 25 to 30 minutes of Clark Phillips against Jordan Addison all day long. I think that's a great matchup, but 
the USC offense has just got so many weapons, and, and that's really why they present such a challenge. Lincoln Riley, a brilliant play caller, has completely turned the team around in just one year. I think even faster than most people thought. Now, they should have lost at Oregon State. Not not could have. They should have lost in that game. Their defense made plays. They, they 100% deserve credit for that. But Oregon State had that game. They, they were leading for most of it. USC took a late lead and ultimately was able to pick off Chance Nolan for a, a fourth and final clinching time. So I, I think USC is a very good team, but I'm not selling my youth stock, even with two losses, because I think people are looking at that four and two and saying, oh, two in the Pac-12. Oh, that's 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 not very good. And they remember that Florida game like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's not it. If you just look at the record, then you think USC is better. But Utah's favorite at home this week. They should be. And I, I'm not selling my Utah stock as, as a Pac-12 contender. Unfortunately, they're out of the cultural playoff discussion. That's the way that this goes. But as, as a team that can get to the Rose Bowl, Utah's still in the mix. Yeah, I think that's something for Utah fans and myself included in a lot of ways. And that it was all kind of doom and gloom when you lose to UCLA because you're officially knocked out of that. And it feels like, oh, how can you win the Pac-12 if you're not the best team? Well, it's like, well, you just weren't the best team on Saturday, but you have an opportunity to get right back in the thick of things coming up this Saturday against a really good USC team, as you talked about. And we mentioned the weapons on the outside. I think the most NFL, the, re- the biggest reason so many NFL scouts are going to be attending this game, honestly, is for the Jordan Addison, Clark Phillips matchup. I just think that's the one when you're talking about first round talent. Those guys both have a chance to go high in that range. but all over the place. You mentioned guys like die. Of course, Caleb Williams next year is going to be very high up those boards as well. So there's a ton of talent on this team. So when you're looking at where can they be had a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, I do think it's an offensive line that you can get pressure on Caleb Williams. If you do enough things to confuse him, unfortunately it's a Utah defensive line that has really struggled to get pressure with for this season. And the coach Whittingham once again, called them out even more so this time than he has in years past in weeks past on the season. And I do expect this group to try to respond this week because like when you have so much talent on the outside, you want to be able to drop seven as a defense. You don't want to bring blitzes that against a talented quarterback like Caleb Williams as well, who's going to be able to check it down really fast or find who's uncovered or where what you're giving up in that blitz. So I really think it's critical for the Utes to get pressure with for, unfortunately, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to do it right now, but with this team coming out motivated a little bit, and even if they have to bring a five-man blitz, I still think they can hold up, but I think their best bet is to get pressure on Williams. Yeah, that USC offensive line, I think, is a little better than you would think. But that Oregon State game is really the model. And if you watch it, Caleb Williams struggled and he looked flustered. And part of it is he was on the road, perhaps. Part of it was he was under pressure. And part of it was he just seemed to be having an off day. Like there were definitely moments where you watched Oregon State's defense and you said, yeah, that's a really good job by by the Beavs. They're doing this, that and the other thing super well. But there was also a component to that game of Caleb Williams was just missing throws he doesn't normally miss. Now, how much that stemmed from the the pressure, the havoc, the uncomfortableness of what Williams was feeling because of the Beavs front seven, any, any anyone's guess, right? And I think that you, you're, you're 100% correct that you've got to be able to get pressure because if you just let him sit there, he's going to slice and dice you. Not just because he's a good quarterback, but because – no DB, not even Clark Phillips, can cover for five to six seconds. It's exactly. not – it's it's completely impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at this USC receiver room, it's even more difficult. You have to force them to get the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands quickly, and then you have to be able to tackle in space because what Lincoln Riley will do and what they've done very effectively this year is utilize the wide receiver screen game. 
So if he senses pressure is coming or if he senses that his offensive line is outmatched, he'll get him out on the edge and call a couple tunnel screens. And that'll just make your defensive line hesitate, right? When they get by a guy, they'll have that half second moment of, is this screen? Do I need to be aware? Or they're thinking about it before they really go and try to get after the USC quarterback. And those little moments can really, really add up to help an offense need just that extra beat of time to execute in, in a given situation. So I think if Utah is going to have a chance in this game they, they to keep USC's offense in check, that is, because I think the Utes offense can, can go toe-to-toe with USC's. I, I really do. And the other advantage here is Utah can run the football and USC cannot stop the run this year. That is not something they have done successfully. Their their defensive hallmark this season has been forcing turnovers and getting sacks. So if you're Utah, if you stay away from those things, you're going to be able to score a lot of points. So I don't think it's a be-all, end-all of if you don't pressure Caleb Williams, then Utah is losing the game. But I think you make it a lot easier on yourself to limit the USC offense particularly with those big explosive plays down the field, if you can get pressure and not give him time to allow a deep poster or a go route to develop to Jordan Addison or Mario Williams. Yeah, it's one of the things that is going to be critical for this Utah team to do. And we're talking about the defensive side of the ball a little bit more in just a second for the Utes and the offense of the Trojans. But first, I want to talk to you guys about LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, LinkedIn does a phenomenal job assisting you in all of the ways you guys need to help you guys find the qualified candidates for your jobs. Just go over to LinkedIn, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash lock on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions may apply so make sure you guys head over to linkedin if you want to find the best candidates for your job openings so spencer we talked about the utah defense versus usc offense switching sides of the ball now i think this ucla defense is and you kind of teed it up perfectly before this is a front four that's really good at getting after the quarterback lead FBS in sacks with 24 on the season. It's a formidable group. And this is a Utah offensive line as well. I'll say that struggled last week against the Bruins. Bruins got new, only two sacks for UCLA, but that was not indicative of how much they were pressuring Cam Rising. Cam just did a good job getting rid of the ball in a lot of instances, or his ability to scramble just came up big because it was not like Cam had all day in the pocket just to sit there and go through his progression slowly but surely. That was not the case at all in this one. And it might not be the case if Utah gets in those third and long situations. But for the Utes, it was nice to see, as you mentioned, this team, if you talk and run the ball, they can have success offensively. And they started to run the ball better last week. And a huge reason for that is Tavion Thomas kind of getting back involved in the offense a little bit. It's nice to see him starting to get going again. I believe he even referred to it as um, the train getting the engine kind of going again. And it's something that if he can do that, as well as Mekhi Bernard's been doing a good job rushing the ball for the use. I, I think this Utah team, as you mentioned, really can keep pace with the Trojans offense. Yeah, I, I feel confident in the weapons they have. The The biggest question for the Utes that I see going into this game is how are their receivers going to be able to get separation? Correct me if I'm wrong, but still no Brant Keithy for, for the Utes and yeah, Dalton he's done, Kincaid. He's done for the year. Brandon. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a major bummer. It is. Um, because I think that 
and I think that that's a weapon that Utah will miss going into this game because if you had Keithy and Kincaid should still be able to step up and make some plays, I don't think the USC safeties and linebackers can can match up with those sorts of guys because basically nobody can. They're, they're just really, really tough to guard in, in one-on-one situations. But the strength of this USC defense are their corners. And their, their pass rushers have been very good. But Makai Blackman, the Colorado transfer, has been really, really good. And he was a solid player for the Buffs a season ago. But he's taken a leap forward. And he's got several interceptions this year. And he's gotten his hand on a lot of pass breakups. He's done a really good job on the outside, kind of anchoring that that secondary that's just been creating plays all over the field. And so to me, the middle of the field is where you're, you're going to want to try and exploit USC on on their defense rather than on the perimeter, because I think their corners have done a good job this season. And so not having Keithy to kind of work in the middle of the field, that that certainly hurts Utah. But Kincaid, I think, has got to have a big step up step up game there in in that sense. To, to fill the void that Keithy otherwise would have had. So on the outside, that's the biggest question I have. I don't question whether Utah will be able to run the ball. They should have no problem. And if they do, then it's then it's red flag time, right? You'd like to see him get pressure on Caleb Williams, but I don't think that's a pivot point in the game where, you know, if it goes this way, Utah will win. If it goes this way, USC will win. But if Utah, which I expect them to be able to run the ball just fine, but if for some reason the USC run defense stiffens and they can't, then you've got a problem. Then you have a major problem because the way you move the ball in USC is you do it on the ground. They have not been stopping the run consistently this year. Stanford put it, put up 28 points on them despite having two red zone turnovers. Like this is a team that, that will allow yards on the ground and Utah has to be able to take advantage of that to help out cam rising and the receivers setting up the play action passing game. I'm confident they'll be able to do it, but if for some reason they can't, the Utes will be in trouble. Yeah, and the Utes had a ton of success over the middle against the Bruins in last week's game. The problem was their defense couldn't get a stop as well as a couple of those turnovers, the first of which I'll even mention because you brought up Brant Keithy. So Thomas Yasmin is the guy who stepped in to be the backup tight end for this Utah team. Yasmin was going across, I believe it was a crosser route over the mid, deep over the middle, just kind of down to the right sideline eventually. And what ended up happening was he just dropped the ball. And that's a huge play because gets you deep in the red zone. A few plays later, Cam ends up throwing an interception. So that's something if that's not, that should be Brant Keithy or Dalton Kincaid, depending on what who the, would be in that position for Utah in the tight end spot. But just a huge play that's unfortunately taken away and something they, they can't avoid to make those mistakes against a really talented Trojans team as well. And, Look, this Utah offense, they've been well-balanced as of late recently. They've been doing a good job rushing the ball. And last week, I mean, the first half especially, they did a really good job running it. And then the second half, need to throw it through the air a lot as well. One fun thing that Utah really unlocked last week too, I felt like, was they were really cam – they more designed runs for Cam than we'd seen pretty much the entire season, whether it's quarterback draws or he, yes, he had to scramble and run for his life a couple times as well, but he's capable of doing that. But even on the goal line, they ended up going with that a lot. And I think the biggest advantage that is for Utah as well as, or just any offense in general, is you get an extra blocker when your quarterback, instead of when he hands it off to the running back, your quarterback just sits back and watches the rest of the play. Instead, you get an extra blocker in there. It's just another guy to be able to move guys around. So it's such a luxury this Utah team has. And it's something I expect them to be effective with as well, because they're willing to run Cam and they should run Cam. 
he's a really good runner as well. And you talked about too, sitting back all day with a struggling offensive line who could potentially be completely retooling their right side. Utah's right tackles to Tao Laumea just wasn't good on Saturday. And Michael Mokafisi, same thing for him. He actually got benched in the game and they put in Jaron Kump as well. So I expect the Trojans in those third and longs to really attack the right side of the offensive line. So it is going to be critical critical for the Utes to stay in those second and five, third and short as well, just to kind of keep the defense on their heels. And maybe they don't have to just really pin their ears back and just get to rush relentlessly. Yeah. Obvious passing situations are where USC's defenses thrive this year. And I think some people might be surprised to know they lead the PAC 12 in scoring defense this year, this season, and we're at the midway point. So you've got a pretty significant sample size. Now, the opponents they've gone against, I think, matter. Washington State's offense ha- has been pretty inconsistent this year. They have not yet had Cam Ward pop with, with that offensive attack and new OC, Eric Morris. Arizona State, of course, got rid of Herm Edwards and they're you know, kind of in, in disarray, but had a good showing in the Coliseum against this USC defense, putting up 25 points, certainly more than I expected them to allow there. But, you know, the other teams they've played, Rice, obviously, you're not going to allow a lot of points there. And uh, Stanford is not a very good team. And I think that's the biggest indicator as to why I, I've still got confidence in this Utes offense to to be able to score and win in a shootout if they need to. With, with USC, obviously, you'd rather, you know, hold the, the Trojans under 30 points and feel good about your chances to win the football game. But it could be a, a 42-35, 42-38 sort of game. I think that's entirely possible. But... I actually think both teams will be under 40, right? I, I don't rule out the possibility of it being this big shootout, but Utah, I expect them to come out. They want to run the football. They can run the football. And I think they're going to to want to do that because who's the team that has held Oregon st- or held Utah or held USC, third time's the charm, to the fewest points this season? Oregon State. And Oregon State loves to run the football. And they want to kill some clock. And sometimes in these situations, and I remember this from the the Chip Kelly days when when he was at Oregon and and Stanford was a really good team in the conference. Sometimes the best way to beat a high powered explosive offense is to keep them on the sideline rather than say, well, we need our DBs to do this and we need our front four to finally be able to get pressure on Caleb Williams. Yeah, those things are all good and fine. But the best way I think to beat USC is to keep Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and company standing on the sideline watching the game play out while you go on a seven to eight minute touchdown drive. If Utah strings together two of those, that's like a quarter of the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but they're capable of doing that. You can you can just take away the number of opportunities that USC has. And if you just play that ball control, play that possession game, that's not what USC is designed to do. They were very fortunate to win against Oregon State, but I think that game is what Utah needs to look at and say, here's our formula for how we're able to get a victory this week and hand the Trojans their first loss of the season. I, I think that's how you have to do it because if you if you try to get in a shootout, yeah, Utah could, but do I trust USC's receivers or Utah's more? I take the Trojans in that instance. And, and Cam Rising, Caleb Williams, that's a toss-up. At this point in the season, Caleb Williams has more arm talent, but mm-hmm. Cam Rising's a little more consistent. But that's not where I want to be if I'm a Utah fan. I want to be in the mindset of let's do what we do best and what they struggle with, and that's defending the run in order to keep Caleb Williams from going off for 40 or more points. 
And I trust Lincoln Riley a lot more than I trust Andy Ludwig. I mean, I thought Andy Ludwig was also very conservative last week. I mean, I'm looking at the first drive of the game and it's third and six and you run the ball at midfield. Like you, you just can't do that. If you're trying to win these games against big opponents, you got to be aggressive and let your talented quarterback go out there and make plays. But we'll be interested to see how this one ends up shaking out. And we're going to talk about the line in this game as well as the line in some of the other biggest games of the week in just a moment. But first want to tell you guys about intercap lending. There's a reason no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs. Intercap gets deals done quick and simple process intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average and though fast is great the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process and that's what locked on's personal loan officer steve carter has delivered to hundreds of locked on listeners so far including locked on's founder david Locke. and let's be honest if steve can help keep david on track through the entire process steve can help anyone and though intercap is new to the locked on utes podcast it's not new to assisting customers with all their mortgage needs they've been doing so since 1978 that is 43 years of experience and steve carter's been providing locked on listeners with the best experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give a Steve a call. His direct number is 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. NMLS number is 190465. For more information, give Steve a call or visit www.intercaplending.com. So make sure you guys head over to check out Intercap Lending today. Also, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bars, Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, ready, delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate, that's right, Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs that have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys- Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Like all Built Bars, new cookie dough chunk puffs is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they are healthy and taste good. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good, as you said, Spencer. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puffs, whatever whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Bill's is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. That's LOCKEDON15, all caps, and get 15% off your order. Once again, promo LOCKED15. So head over to Built Bar and cash in on all that goodness. And speaking of cashing in, Spencer... Looking at it's time now to do our best big game bets of the week. I've done your locked on prime pick, your excuse me, your Pac-12 prime picks before, and the, you, you've been on you've been on a good streak lately as well. You were on this podcast last week. You called the UCLA upset, so got to give you credit. So hoping you can bring a little bit of that luck to the game, some of the big games this week. And we're gonna start with some of the bigger ones out of the Pac-12. First one, looking at Michigan, Penn State. This is a really fun one, a top 10 matchup. Michigan is minus six and a half favorite. It's in this one. And I really like what I'm seeing out of the Wolverines so far this year. I think J.J. McCarthy has been doing a really good job for them offensively. They've survived a couple of tough Big Ten tasks. They've always been in prime time because Big Noon constantly is basically the Michigan network at this point going to their games every week. This is still a fun and a good Penn State team, but I think Michigan gets it done in this one. Yeah, and if this were seven and a half, then mm-hmm. I would lean Penn State because the Nittany Lions are really flying under the radar this year with, sure. with James Franklin. They're a good football team, and they started off well last year. They lost their quarterback, and then things went downhill that included a loss to an Illinois team that wasn't good then but is currently in the top 25 with, with Brett, Brett Bielema, good for the Illini, I say. But that line is still intriguing to me. Six and a half. In a, in a big game like that, it is at the big house. So 
if if I were to come down on a side, I would lean Michigan, but that that to me is is what I'd call a stay away, right? If I'm going through and, and looking at looking at lines and saying I want this one or I, I I like that one, that that to me is a stay away because I think those are two fairly evenly matched teams, and I'll take Michigan to win because they are at home. But I'm I'm a back out of of the spread on on that one. It's not. Um, if they were in the Pac-12, it would not go into the prime picks because I would just like, you know, it was like coming into the year, I did each team's uh, Pac-12 over under win total. And I looked at USC's nine and a half and I said, mm, 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 nope, 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 not going, not going, not going there. That's how I feel about that six and a half number. If it got to seven and a half, if it moved out that direction, I'd go with Penn State. If it went under six, I'd go with Michigan. But that in between range, that's that's a little iffy. And that's Vegas's exact goal is to make it tough. Like I said, I, I'll roll with Michigan. I'll take the six and a half, but it is going to be very interesting to see how that one pans out. And speaking of top 10 matchups, we've got another one as well. Alabama taking on Tennessee. College game day decided to go back to Rocky Top for this thrilling top 10 matchup. And Alabama is favored by seven. And once I just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the Vols. I just look at, you know, the end, you know, no Bryce Young, at least at this moment, I believe we still haven't heard any updates on him. Not surprising to see Nick. Nick Saban, keep it close to the vest, but this is a Tennessee team that's played phenomenally all year. They've been unbelievable offensively. I saw a stat the other day, like they had the 106th ranked offense in 2020. And now in 2022, they have the top ranked offense in the nation. So just phenomenal stuff there. Look, I don't know if Tennessee is going to be able to get a win against Bama. It's just hard to get a monkey like that off your back, but I do think this is going to be a really good game and it's going to be decided by less than seven points. So I, I like the Vols to be able to cover. I'm on the other side there because oh, you hit on it. What has Tennessee been riding with this year? Their offense, right? Their defense has been a little up and down. Looked pretty good against LSU last week, but the Tigers don't have a good offense. In in 2022, the ASU transfer, Jaden Daniels, has not been very sharp. And just overall, LSU appears to have a, a longer way to go to to be a top-tier football program again under under Brian Kelly I think longer even than, than I thought coming into there I thought they could be a nine and three team but I watch them play and I'm like yeah no that's that, that's that's not going to happen of course they've already got two losses so makes it even tougher but I think that Bama defense led by Will Anderson is going to be able to make life difficult even at home for the for this Tennessee offense I think the Vols are a good team. I thought early on I watched them play and thought, ah, this is a little bit of a fraudulent, undefeated team. But when they really put it to LSU, I, I said, okay, that, that's a pretty impressive showing. LSU's not as good as I thought, but it's still a respectable SEC team. And, you know, they knock, I mean, they were good enough to knock off Mississippi State, who, who's also in the top 25 right now, as LSU that is. But I, I think Tennessee gets a wake-up call here of, look, you're feeling good about yourselves, and you should because of where the program is is coming from over the last several years. They're off to this great start, but I think this is a wake-up call of that's Nick Saban, that's big boy football in the SEC, and you are not there yet. Give me Bama minus seven on the road, even at Old Rocky Top, which is one of the greatest sites in all of college football. At Checkered Stadium, it is fan-freaking-tastic. But I'm I'm taking the Crimson Tide here. Bryce Young or not, I think it's the Alabama defense that gets them on the other side of that minus seven number. 
I like it. Like I said, I'll take the Vols, but it's going to be another one that'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Another fun one, this one out here in Utah. Arkansas traveling out to BYU in this one. The Razorbacks favored by one and a half. Really tight game. And, you know, both these teams had some disappointing losses. BYU, of course, coming off one down in Vegas. And it makes this one an intriguing one. And I feel like I am going to roll with the Razorbacks in this one. I still really like KJ Jefferson. I feel like when you're looking at this Hawks team, I think they are phenomenally wet led as well i'm totally blanking on their coach's name right now i was trying to buy it until i could remember his sam name. Pittman. thank you yes he's sam Pittman is phenomenal as well he loved his players love him they get fired up for him as well and kalani satakis do too but i just think this razorbacks team is really good and i think they're going to take in the atmosphere here in provo and come out with a win so i'll take them to cover what's what's the line on on that particular one game one and a half razorbacks one, it's arkansas minus one and a half yes if i don't have to give up any points with BYU at home off of a loss in which their offense just stumbled from the get-go and then uh-huh. tried to recover late against Notre Dame and ultimately came up short, I, I'm, I'm rolling with the Cougars. I, I do not feel as strongly about Arkansas as you do. They were a great story and fun last year, but I, I was texting a buddy who who likes the Hogs. He's not necessarily a fan, but he just you know was really high. And he's like, oh, yeah, I like Arkansas. This. I'm like, I'm telling you, Arkansas is a classic flash in the pan team they're the colorado of the sec they're not actually a good team year in and year out every now and then they can they can have a good season as they did a year ago but i i didn't love them coming into the year kj jefferson's health has been in, in and out so far and i i think their offense is okay but they're missing trail on burks who went to the nfl is now playing for the the tennessee titans so BYU getting one and a half points. I, I think they win the game outright and and get a nice bounce back at home. And I think Jaron Hall has, has a bounce back game. And Arkansas is a decent team. It'd be a nice win for for BYU. But at home, in, in front of the home fans, who you know are going to be rocking the place, uh, give me Kalani Sataki and the Cougars. Okay, so we've had some fun disagreements. We'll see if we stay the same, if we keep disagreeing on this one. Oklahoma State taking on TCU, two of the best teams, honestly, the two best teams in the Big 12 right now. Unfortunately, Kansas was a great story and still could be get back into a really good, really good team conversation, but a tough loss to the Horned Frogs this past weekend. So TCU favored by three and a half. And this is one where it's look, it's going to be a really fun one. Honestly, I am going to pick Oklahoma State in this one. I really like Spencer Sanders. Mike Gundy's a really good coach in this one. I think this is the Oklahoma State's year to come out here and have a phenomenal showing. And I think they're going to continue to do against the TCU team that people forget still on a Sonny Dykes still in his first year with this team. Really? So a lot's still going on there. They've been a great story to start the season, but I do think the experience of Oklahoma State is too much for them to handle in this one. Uh, yeah, now now we finally agree, there we go. especially at, at three and a half. And uh-huh. I, I'm with you. I think Oklahoma State is able to go in and, and win this game outright. Max Duggan is going to finally meet his match in this one against an Oklahoma State defense that is always better than people think because you think Mike Gundy, you think of all the quarterbacks and they've had over the years and the running backs, Chuba Hubbard and Des Bryant, right? And they have that brand as an offensive team. But this is this is a defense the last couple of years that has been an integral part of Oklahoma State's continued run of success. Remember, they were a 12-game winner a year ago, including the uh, Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. It's a really good football team. They've got a good amount of talent back, including Spencer Sanders. So I I like Max Duggan. He's doing a lot of great things, and he stepped into that starting quarterback role for for TCU. But a couple undefeated Big 12 teams here. I'll take the more experienced quarterback, even on the road. 
But if you're just looking at the betting line, three and a half, I, I love getting that half point hook there mm-hmm. for, for the Cowboys. So uh, give me Oklahoma State to win outright and, and certainly to cover. Yeah, and that brings us to our final one. Utah, USC, Utah favored mm. by three in this one. And look, I'm going to go it with three or three and a half. I believe it's just three right now. According to Bet Online, just at three at the moment. Mm, interesting. So, interesting. Because so, some because okay. some books have it at three and a half right now. Mm-hmm. If you can get that at three, that's tantalizing. You like it? Yeah, well, I'm, I like it, obviously. I'm going to roll with the Utes in this one. I do think the Utes are going to be able to cover. I really like, we talked about a number of things in this game already, but I just think this, this is the game. The Utah rushing attack really comes to life. As you mentioned, Cam continues to get it done on the ground. And I do think the Utah defense just forces one, maybe even two turnovers that end up turning the tide. This is a defense that I know is frustrated based because of their performance against UCLA. And Coach Scally and Coach Witt as well are going to have this entire team ready and motivated for what was the biggest game of the Pac-12 slate we were talking about back in August in this one doesn't have the same appeal anymore because of the loss. But if Utah can come in and get a win, I think we could look at it as possibly the most significant victory because if Utah doesn't get this win here, this is a conversation for another day. Their season is really in jeopardy for all the goals they wanted to accomplish. They would need an unbelievable amount of help if they were to lose this one to reach the Pac-12 championship, I feel like. Yeah, it would be incredibly difficult. And I liked the Utes coming into the year. I liked the Utes throughout the year. And I'm I'm still riding with Utah in this game. So minus three or minus three and a half, I, I would take them because I don't see them losing in Salt Lake City this year. And I, I still think they're a good football team. I don't think I talked about this on Lockdown Pac-12. And I'm sorry for the people listening. But if if Utah was up here a year ago, right, I think we can agree right now they're playing a step or two below. But mm-hmm. This is not a matter of UCLA being down here and Utah played down to that level. I think UCLA played up to Utah's level and played a physical, well-coached brand of football on Saturday. And they were and they were at home, which you can't overlook. They've played five of their six games inside the the cozy and empty confines of the Rose Bowl the, this season. But I think UCLA is just a really good team. I'm not fading Utah. In fact, I, I love Utah. They're going to be in my Pac-12 prime picks at whether it's three or three and a half. I'll, I'll take them there. I think they can win by seven and 10 against the USC team that are not going to go undefeated. Right. I, I just don't I don't see that happening with this USC team in a year or two. Yeah, maybe they, they, they could. But I don't think that you're going to go from four and eight to, to 12 and 0, even though they're off to a really good start. Remember how they played on the road at Oregon State. That environment was not as hostile as what they're going to have on Saturday night in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And they're not playing a football team that's as good as the Utah Utes. So I think getting this, you know, well under a touchdown is is pretty good value there for Utah. So give me the Utes minus three or three and a half. I'll take them. I like it. And we'll be interesting to see if the Utes can get it done come Saturday. And Spencer, you mentioned the Pac-12 prime picks. Where can people go if they want to hear those? They can go on YouTube, Locked On Pac-12, every day covering the Conference of Champions. You can like, comment, subscribe over there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also hit me up on Twitter. If you ever have a question about a team in the Pac-12, I will answer it on the show at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Of course, I host Locked On Ducks as well, but I imagine the people watching and listening to this show not quite as intrigued. But if you want some Oregon content, by all means, I welcome you over there on the channel. There is absolutely no animosity with with the Utes fans, other fan bases, eh, you know, maybe a little from time to time. No, it's not, it's not nothing, nothing egregious or anything of, of the sort, but yeah, great to be on with you as, as always JT. And 
Um, I'm, I'm glad you complimented the Pac-12 prime picks because I'm coming off back-to-back one and two weeks. Oh. After I, 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 I was an 0-3 start, then 3-0, and and I, I rattled off three winning weeks in a row. But um, the picks I like the most have have hit the last two weeks. Washington State minus four at Cal two weeks ago, and then UCLA plus four against uh, against the Utes, and I like them to win that game outright. But trying to get back to, to the winning ways, and I'm hoping Utah can help me out. Hoping they can help you out for sure. So appreciate you guys for listening in to Locked On. You just keep it here the rest of the week. Still a couple fun guests and stuff lined up as we preview the one of the biggest games in the entire Pac-12 slate, Utah versus USC. That's it for today's Locked On Utes, but we'll see you tomorrow.